بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We've reached our next lesson on Al-Lu'l-Ul Maknoon, the cherished pearls of Seerah, uh, of the Seerah of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Last week we were speaking about um, we were speaking about the various ways that the Quraysh tortured and punished many of the Muslimin, right? Especially the the weaker Muslimin, Tayyib. And we spoke about how Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was, of course, protected by his uncle. Abu Talib. Tayyib, tonight we're moving on to the next chapter in the book which is Istihza'ul Mushrikeen bin Nabiyyi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. How the Mushrikeen mocked and scorned at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So regarding those attacks and those assaults that we spoke about in the previous chapter, which we said was focused mostly on the weak Muslims. Right, the weaker Muslims who had no protection from their families or from their wealth and so forth. Um, but when it came to the Prophet wasallam, firstly, he had his uncle Abu Talib, and secondly, his personality was such that he was known as a noble man and a, respect, a respected person in the community. And he was the most honorable of them. He had the best personality and the best character. And this automatically kept people away from him. The people didn't want to necessarily attack him. So from these two angles, we find that he was generally treated with respect. And once he came with his da'wah, because of this respect, people were initially tentative to harm him. And then of course Abu Talib was there as well. So most of those attacks that we spoke about last week were focused on people who were Known as da'if, you know, weaker people, meaning they didn't have wealth or they didn't have people to protect them, their family and their tribe and so forth. So when the Quraysh um, were unable to assault the Prophet ﷺ, it came to this point where, you know, the initial state, as we said, they were unable to harm him. As they did with the rest of the Muslimin, they then resorted to, to mocking him and to belittling him, and to scorning him, or scoffing against him, and so forth. And again, the main perpetrators were who? Abu Lahab, his uncle. Abu Jahl. Those two names we'll, we, will, we should know by now. Abu Lahab and Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl's name was Amr ibn Hisham, the son of Hisham. Then we had Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'ayt. Al-Hakam ibn Abi al-As, we spoke about him before. Al-Aswad ibn al-Muttalib. Wal-Aswad ibn Abdi Yahuth. Al-Walid ibn al-Mughirah, we should know this name. Al-As ibn Wa'il, we should know this name. We've spoken about Al-As ibn Wa'il a number of times. We spoke about him in Hilf al-Fudul and some other issues as well. So firstly, we are going to speak about the Adawa of Ummi Jamil. Zawjati Abi Lahab. The wife of whom? Abu Lahab. The wife of Abu Lahab, she was known as Umm Jamil, the mother of Jamil. This was her kunya. 
Um Jamil. So the author mentions the hadith that comes in the Mustadrak of Imam Al-Hakim with a good chain of narration, which is narrated from Asma' binti Abi Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhuma, where she said that when tabbat yada Abi Lahabiyu wa tab was revealed, Surah Al-Masad, the one-eyed Um Jamil, she was known as, she was a person who had one eye that was functioning, right? She came, Um Jamil, the daughter of Harb, Um Jamil, the daughter of Harb, Um Jamil bin to Harb, she came and she was wailing, she was wailing. And in her hand, she had a, a rock, a stone or a rock, the, the, sign of, the size of her hand, she was carrying this. And she was saying, Mudammaman abayna wadinahu qalayna wa amrahu asayna. She said, He humiliates our, our fathers or criticizes our fathers. And his religion is our scorn. We hate his religion. It's disliked to us. Wa amrahu asayna. And his command is disobeying us. It's disobedient to us. This is what she was saying. And at this moment, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is sitting in the masjid and with him is his companion, Abu Bakr radiallahu And when Abu Bakr sees her coming, she, he says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulullah, she's coming and I fear, you know, for your sake, I don't want to forsake you or don't want to abandon you. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Inna lan tarani, she will not see me. Indeed, she will not be able to, to see me. And then he recited verse on the Quran and he put his trust in the in the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the words of Allah where Allah said وَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنَ and when you recite the Quran جَعَلْنَا بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَ الَّذِينَ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْآخِرَةِ حِجَابًا مَسْتُورًا when you recite this Quran we place between you and those who do not believe in the year after an invisible veil a hijab that's masturan, meaning it's unseen. But this is placed. So when she comes to this gathering, she stops at, at who? She stops by who? Abu Bakr, radiallahu And she does not see Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And she says, Ya Abu Bakr, I have been informed that your companion has been defaming me through some poetry and so forth. So he says, radiallahu anhu, by the Lord of this house, this Kaaba, he has not defamed you. And so she turned away and she said, the Quraysh, they know that I am the daughter of their leader. She turned away and this was her words. She walked away saying, the Quraysh, at least they know. I am the daughter of who? Of their leader. Not no, she's the wife of Abu Lahab. I'm the daughter of one of their Sayyids, one of their leaders. So, and in another narration in Ibn Hibban, from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said, when Tabbat Yada Abi Lahabin was revealed, the woman or the wife of Abu Lahab, she came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was with Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, and when Abu Bakr saw her, he said, Ya Rasulullah, this is an immoral woman. This is a woman who has no morals. And I fear she might come and hurt you, or to come and harm you in some way. Remember, she was carrying a rock. So perhaps you should stand up and leave. So the Prophet sallallahu said, Inna lan tarani. She will not see me. So she came and she said, Oh Abu Bakr, your companion has defamed me. And he said, No. And she said to him, 
You are reliable to me. She trusts Abu Bakr. You are someone that's trusted unto me. So she left. So Abu Bakr said, Ya Rasulullah, she never saw you? Kayf, you know, how can she not see you? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, La, no. Lam yazal malakun yasturuni anha bijanahihi. There was a, a malak that was with me continuously. An angel who was covering me with his wings. Who was covering me with his wing. So this is what happened. But the point is she came out. This is, a, this is one way to face him and say bad things about him and accuse him and so forth. Right? Um, the author then mentions a, a, another hadith. If you take note of what she said. She said, Mudhammaman abayna. He humiliates our fathers. And in a hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, Are you not amazed that how, 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 how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala diverted the abuse and the curses of the Quraysh away from me? Because the Quraysh, they used to call him Mudhammam. They used to call him Mudhammam, which means the humiliated one. The humiliated one. So they, he says they accuse me and they abuse me by calling me Mudhammaman. And they curse me by calling me Mudhammaman. But I am Muhammad. The exact opposite. Who am I? I am Muhammad, the praised one. I'm not the humiliated one. So he says it's like this. They used to curse who? Mudhammam. Mudhammam. May Allah's curse be upon Mudhammam. They used to abuse whom? Mudhammam. But he says I'm Muhammad. So who are they abusing? They are not abusing me. They are not accusing me. They are not cursing me. They are only accusing some person by the name of Mudhammam. But I am the opposite of that. I am Muhammad. So he says, aren't you amazed how Allah has saved me or diverted the, these curses away from me? The more they accuse and they, and they blame Mudhammam, the more I am saved from this because I am only but Muhammad. I am the praised one. I am the, the praised one. Right, then the author moves on to Abu Lahab himself. How severe he was upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we've spoken about this previously. How he would follow the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam around in the marketplaces. In the various gatherings. In the places of hajj. In the time, the season of hajj. And he would lie about him. Right, the hadith, I think we mentioned it before. Where... Uh, Rabi'a ibn Ibad عنه, he said I saw the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa in a souq in Dhil Majaz and he was saying to the people O people ya ayyuhan nas say la ilaha illallah tuflihu say la ilaha illallah and you will be successful this is what the prophet was, was kept on saying to the people in the marketplace and he walked through the streets and people would gather around him and he would give them da'wah like this but behind him was another man walking with him wherever he went. He followed him around. Uh, you know, like a stalker, stalking him around. And this man had a fair complexion with two locks of hair hanging down, saying, this is nothing but a sabi and a liar. He's a sabi. We've spoken about this word. A person who has left the religion. And he's nothing but a, a liar. So we said, yeah, who is this? They said, this is Muhammad, the son of Abdullah. And who is this man who's belying him? That is his uncle Abu Lahab. This is what the hadith states. Um, <clears throat> in another version in Ibn Hibban's Sahih, it says 
there was a man walking behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa throwing him with stones. Throwing him with stones and his legs were bleeding. His legs were bleeding at his Achilles tendons and by his ankles we could see blood. So as he was walking, doing da'wah, saying, Oh people, say la ilaha illallah, you will be successful. Say la ilaha illallah, you will be saved. There was a man walking behind him and saying he's a liar, he's a sabi. And throwing him with stones that his feet, his ankles and his, his legs were bleeding. This was who? His uncle, his own uncle, Abu Lahab. What about the son of Abu Lahab? The son of Abu Lahab, his name was uh, Utaybah. Utaybah. And this was his oldest or his eldest son. His eldest son was who? Utaybah. He had three sons. Utaybah was one. Then there was another one. Uh, I think his name was Utbah. And then there's a third. Utaybah was married to whom? Utaybah was married to Umm Kulthum. Who is Umm Kulthum? The daughter of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Abu Lahab's son was whom? The son-in-law of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Look how close they were and they were neighbors as well. So his son is, is who? Utaybah, who was married to Umm Kulthum before prophethood. When he became a prophet and he started to give da'wah, Utayba was opposed to him. And he divorced Umm Kulthum because of this. He divorced Umm Kulthum because of this. And he would try it and he tried to physically harm the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, such that it's narrated that he, would, he pulled him and he tore his shirt. So Rasulullah made dua against him and said, Allahumma sallit alayhi kalban min kilabika. Oh Allah, set one of your dogs upon him. Set one of your, your dogs upon him. The word kalb is used. We all know the meaning of the word kalb is a dog. Right? Set one of the do your dogs upon him. But the ulama have stated that the word kalb in Arabic when it's used like this in an unrestricted form, it refers to any predatory animal that attacks and bites. You understand? So it doesn't necessarily mean a, a dog. It could mean any predatory animal that attacks. So this is what the Prophet meant when he made this dua. Right? So he made dua against this, this, this boy. Should we say this youngster? And... Utayba goes on a journey to Sham. He goes out on a journey to Sham, arrives at a place, and he says to those that, who are with him, Inni akhafu da'wata Muhammadin. I'm worried about that dua of Muhammad. I'm scared of, that, I'm scared of the dua that Muhammad made against me. So he's telling his people that's with him on this journey. I'm a bit panicked, you know. So they say, don't worry, kalla, they, don't worry. They placed the, the belongings that they traveled with around him and they sat around him to protect him. They sat with him to protect him. As they arrived on a journey, you know, they stopped over at the place and he's now panicked. So what happened? A lion came, attacked him and killed him. A lion came and attacked him and killed him. This is who? The son of Abu Lahab. And this is the answer of the dua of whom? 
Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Oh Allah said upon him, one of your dogs meaning one of your animals, one of your beasts of prey. And what happened? A lion came and killed him. The dua of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was accepted. Then we have Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf whenever he saw the messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam hamazahu wa lamazahu hamazahu wa lamazahu he would mock him scoff against him <coughs> then what was revealed which ayat was revealed hamza lamz yes yes wailun likulli humazatil lumazah waw antuhum every humaza and lumaza waw antu every humaza and lumaza and here we can refer to our tafsir on the surah that we did um, a few weeks back on, the, on our YouTube channel, insha'Allah. But in brief, a humaza is any person who mocks another person by his actions. So he scoffs against him, he mocks him by action, meaning what? He can use his hands, he can point at him. You know, like people put do this behind people's heads, what they call it, bunny ears. Or he could be using his eyes, he could be winking or his tongue, or various things, any action that's physically, that's being done, that's used to mock somebody, is what? Humazah. And then you get lumazah, which, which is abusing him by your speech. Whether it's backbiting, whether it's slander, whether it's mocking him verbally, whether it's in his presence or behind his back, it all enters into this ayah. Understand? Whether it's namima, which is spreading malicious gossip about people, this all enters into this ayah. So Allah says, Woe unto every humaza and lumaza. Those people who gather their wealth and they continuously count their money. They, oh, this is their main concern in life, worried about their wealth. So they're counting their money, checking, did I lose anything? How much is left? The main worry is what? How much money do I have? And they think, that their wealth will make them immortal. They think because of their money, they will live forever. This is how deluded they are and how obsessed they are with their money. Allah says, They will be thrown into Al-Hutamah. What will cause you to understand what is Al-Hutamah? Al-Hutamah is one of the names of Jahannam. It is translated as the crusher. Because it crushes every single thing that enters it. Whatever enters into Al-Hutamah gets crushed down into the most minute of pieces and fragments. Narullah Al-Muqadah, it is the fire of Allah. This fire belongs to Allah, Al-Muqadah, which has been kindled for thousands of years. It rages upon the hearts. This fire is so hot, it reaches where? Your heart. Stand in front of a, of, a, of a blazing fire. Make the hottest fire in your fireplace in a braai, wherever it is. Does, does your heart get, get hot? Does your heart physically burn? Your skin burns. Your body gets hot, but does your heart burn? Your, this fire reaches even the hearts. Right? Innaha alayhim muqsada. It is upon them sealed. There's no escape. There's no escape. Tightly secured with long pillars. Again, we said, we did a whole full tafsir of the surah. Over, it's a powerful surah, like every other surah in the Quran, alhamdulillah. 
So this was revealed for whom? Umayyah ibn Khalaf because he would mock the Prophet like this, Humaza and Lumaza. So this surah of course comes down as a warning firstly for him, for everybody else like him and for the rest of the ummah not to be like this. It's about adab bin akhlaq. A Muslim is not one who scoffs and mocks at others and abuses others. Right? Also about the wealth issue. We are not overly obsessed with our money and our wealth. That we count it all the time. We are obsessed with it all the time. Thinking this is going to prolong our life. It's not going to prolong our life. Not even for one second more. Um, so this also comes as a refutation for the mushrikeen. Because this is the people that they were. Abusing people. People who belittled others. Who, uh, who assaulted others. And they were all about the dunya. So this surah was a powerful surah upon them that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed and specifically in the case of Umayyah ibn Khalaf. <coughs> then we have Ubay ibn Khalaf who is his brother. So we said Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Now we have Ubay ibn Khalaf. Firstly Ubay ibn Khalaf who killed him? Who killed Ubay ibn Khalaf? Write this down. This is important point. Who killed Ubay ibn Khalaf? I mentioned it last week or the week before. The one who killed Ubay ibn Khalaf was Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The only one that he killed was Ubay ibn Khalaf. In the battle of Uhud, he killed Ubay ibn Khalaf. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, Ishtadda ghadabullah ala rajulin qatalahu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The anger of Allah is the most severe Upon the person who was killed by the messenger himself. So the one who was killed by the messenger, he is the one whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most upset and angry with. Understand? Um, so this is whom? Ubay ibn Khalaf. He was killed by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself. One day he comes to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with a decayed bone, an old bone that he picked up in the street possibly. It's decayed, it's, it's withering away. So he says, Ya Muhammad, you claim that Allah will resurrect this bone? That Allah can resurrect this bone after it has decayed and, and withered away? And then he crumbled this bone in his hand and he blew these fragments into the face of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu This is mocking him in his face, right? Belittling him. So the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, Naam, yes. This is what I claim. I am saying this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect it and he will resurrect you after the two of you have died and decayed just like this. Then he will enter you into the fire. Then he will put you into the fire of Jahannam. And then Allah azawajal revealed ayat. And Allah said, وَضَرَبَ لَنَا مَثَلًا وَنَسِيَ خَلْقَهُ قَالَ مَنْ الْعِظَامَ وَهِيَ رَمِيمٌ He pre- speaking about Ubay. Allah says, he comes with an example. And he forgets his own creation. Do you understand this ayah? He's saying, can Allah resurrect this bone? This bone is finished, it's withered away, and he blows it into the face of the Prophet So Allah says, he wants to bring us an example, but he forgets his own creation. Allah created you from nothing in the first place. How can he not resurrect it? And then Allah says, Qala, he said, Who can... Give life to a bone after it has disintegrated. This is what he said, Ubay ibn Khalaf. We all know this ayat surah Yasin. Now we know what it means. 
قُلْ يُحْيِيهَا الَّذِي أَنْشَأَهَا أَوَّلَ مَرَّةِ Say to him, the one who will give life to it is the one who produced it in the first place. وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ خَلْقٍ عَلِيمٍ And he is of all creation knowledgeable. أَلَّذِي جَعَلَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الشَّجَرِ الْأَخْضَرِ نَارًا The one who created for you from the green tree fire. فَإِذَا أَنْتُمْ مِنْهُ تُوْقِدُونَ And then from it you will ignite. Or you ignite. أَوَلَيْسَ الَّذِي خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَةُ وَالْأَرْضَ بِقَادِرٍ عَلَى يَخْلُقَ مِثْلَهُمْ Is not the one who created the heavens and the earth able to create the likes of them? Is Allah not able to do this? Allah has created everything in the first place. بَلَا Indeed. Nay, yes, He is. وَهُوَ الْخَلَّاقُ الْعَلِيمُ He is the knowing creator. His command is only. His command is only when He intends something that He says, كُنْ فَيَكُونْ Be and it is. Be and it will be. فَالسُبْحَانَ الَّذِي بِيَدِهِ مَلَكُوتُ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ وَإِلَيْهِ تُرْجَعُونَ So glory be to Him. Perfection belongs to Him. The one who has the realm of all things in his hand. And unto him is your return. Ayat of the Quran. Powerful ayat Allah reveals upon Rasulullah to refute whom? This ignorant Ubay ibn Khalaf. A hadith in the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. From Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhumah. He said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned the salah one day. He mentioned a hadith about the salah one day. And he said, مَنْ حَافَضَ عَلَيْهَا كَانَتْ لَهُ نُورًا وَبُرْهَانًا وَنَجَاتًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ Whomsoever preserves his salah, it will be a nur, a light, and a proof, and a savior for him on the day of qiyamah. وَمَنْ لَمْ يُحَافِضَ عَلَيْهَا But whomsoever does not preserve his prayer, لَمْ تَكُنْ لَهُ نُورًا وَلَا بُرْهَانًا وَلَا نَجَاتًا It will not be a light, no an evidence, no a savior for him. وَكَانَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ مَعَ مَنْ On the day of Qiyamah, he will be with whom? Who will this person be? The one who doesn't pray. He will be with Fir'aun, وَقَارُون, وَهَامَان, وَأُبَيْ ibn خَلَفْ وَأُبَيْ صَاحِبِ الْعِظَامِ The Prophet then said, he will be with four people on the day of Qiyamah. He will be with Fir'aun, Qarun and Haman. These three people we know from the Qur'an, Fir'aun, Qarun, Haman, they were the cronies of Fir'aun. And the fourth one that he mentioned was whom? Ubay. That's how evil Ubay became in the eyes of the messenger. That he, he not compared him to Fir'aun, but he added him into this equation. That these are the evil people that you will be with, these four men, the one who does not pray salah, wallahu musta'an. Um, other ulama have narrated like in the Mustadrak uh, of Imam al-Hakim, that these ayat was also revealed regarding Al-As ibn Wa'il. Again, remember this name. Al-As ibn Wa'il. Al-As ibn Wa'il. We spoke about him many times. He's one of the main guys of the Quraysh. Al-As ibn Wa'il. So in this hadith, it says that Al-As ibn Wa'il, he came to the Prophet sallallahu also with a bone that was decayed or disintegrated. And he crumbled it with his hand. And he said, Oh Muhammad, is Allah going to resurrect this after it has decayed? After it has deteriorated? So Rasulullah said, Naam, yes, Allah will resurrect it. Then he will cause you to die. Then he will give you life. And then he will enter you into the fire of Jahannam. 
And then Allah revealed the ayah, أَوَلَمْ يَرَ الْإِنسَانُ أَنَّا خَلَقْنَاهُ مِن نُطْفَةٍ فَإِذَا هُوَ خَصِيمٌ مُبِينٌ Which is the, the ayah just before the other ayah that we mentioned, before وَضَرَبَ لَنَا مَثَلًا وَنَسِيَ خَلْقَةً Allah says to him, does man not consider, doesn't he realize that we created him from a mere sperm drop, from a nutfa? That's all, we created him from this. And then, فَإِذَا هُوَ خَصِيمٌ مُبِينٌ at once he is a, a clear adversary. You know, where is the aql of insan? We created you from this and this is what you become. A clear adversary to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, Ibn Kathir, he says in his tafsir that whether this ayah was revealed regarding Ubay ibn Khalaf or Al-As ibn Wa'il or for both of them, it's still general in its meaning and it applies to any person who rejects the resurrection. Because this is what they were trying to prove. Is this what you, is Allah going to resurrect this bone? Can it is, are you telling me Allah can resurrect this bone after it's finished? So he says it applies to anybody who uh, rejects resurrection. Which was one of the main beliefs of the, of the Quraysh. Understand? Um, then, Ashqal Qawm, who is... The most miserable of the, of the people, Yani Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id is the next person that the author mentions. Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id. The hadith about him says that Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id, he made some food. He made some Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id. Abi Ibn Abi Mu'id. So he made some food and he invites the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says to him, I am not going to eat your food until you bear testimony that there is none worthy of worship except Allah and that I am the Messenger of Allah. So Uqba says, Eat, O son of my brother. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, I'm not going to do that until you say, until you bear testimony. And so, Uqba said, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah. He, bade his, he gave the shahada. He gave the shahada. And then the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ate from his food. What then happened was is, this incident reached Ubay ibn Khalaf. Ubay was his friend. And so, <coughs> Ubay said to him, Sabawta, Sabawta ya Uqba. Have you become a sabi? Have you left the religion, O Uqba, our religion? So Uqba said, no. Wallahi ma sabawt, I never left the religion. However, a man came to me and he refused to eat from my food. He refused to eat from my food, except if I give the shahada. So I was shy that he was uh, for him to leave my house and he never ate. I was too shy for him to leave my house without him eating. So, I gave the shahada for that reason. I gave the shahada. So, he ate. So, Ubay ibn Khalaf says to him, I am not pleased with this. Right? I am not pleased with this explanation that you've come with. So, I will not be pleased until you go and you spit in the face of the Prophet. Until you go and you spit in his face. So, Uqba ibn Abi Mu'id, may Allah's curse be upon him, he goes to the Prophet ﷺ and he spits in the face of the Messenger 
sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then Allah Azza wa Jal revealed ayat regarding them, both of them, regarding Uqba and Ibn Ubay ibn Khalaf. And Allah revealed the ayat where Allah said, وَيَوْمَ يَعَضُّ الظَّالِمُ عَلَى يَدَيْهِ يَقُولُ يَا لَيْتَنِ اتَّخَذْتُمْ مَعَ الرَّسُولِ سَبِيلًا On that day, when the ظَالِم, the oppressor or the wrongdoer, will bite on his hand. And he will say, Oh, how I wish I did not take, or how I wish I took the messenger as a, I took, I followed the path of the messenger. I took the messenger as my guide and I followed him, I followed his path. Ya wailata, woe unto me. Laytani lam attakhid fulanan khalila. How I wish I did not take so and so as a friend. How I wish I did not take such and such a person as a friend. Yeah, referring to obviously Ubay. Because Ubay told him to do this. لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْلَ إِذْ جَاءَنِي He led me astray. He misguided me away from the reminder after it reached me. After it had come to me. وَكَانَ الشَّيْطَانُ لِلْإِنسَانِ خَذُولًا And shaytan is truly for, for insan, a betrayer. A betrayer. So those ayat was revealed regarding Uqbah ibn Abi Mu'id and Ubay ibn Khalaf. Then we have Al-Akhnas ibn Shuraiq. Al-Akhnas, the son of Shuraiq. Shuraiq. Firstly, Al-Akhnas ibn Al-Shuraiq, his name is also Ubay. His name is also actually Ubay, but he was, this was his nickname. Akhnas was his nickname. And he actually accepts Islam later on in his life, alhamdulillah. He was from the most noble of his people. Another noble man who people would listen to. People took instructions from him. People obeyed him. And he was also of those whom would harm the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah revealed ayat regarding him. وَلَا تُطِعْ كُلَّ حَلَّا فِي الْمَهِينَ Do not obey every worthless habitual swearer. Person who always takes an oath. Like a qasam. Do not obey such a person. هَمَّازٍ مَشَّائِمْ بِنَمِيمٍ And a scorner. Who goes about with malicious gossip. People spread, you know, ghiba and, and they spread rumors about people and so forth. Athim. A preventer of good. Mu'tadin Athim. Transgressing and sinful. Cruel. Moreover, an illegitimate pretender. Right? Ayat was revealed about who? Al-Akhnas ibn Shuraiq. But he eventually accepts Islam later on, radiallahu Then we come back to whom? To who do we come back to? Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira. Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira. Walid ibn al-Mughira was of those whom would sit with the Messenger of Allah and discuss with him. Have debates with him, have discussions with him. And he would say, Ayanzalu ala Muhammadin. Is it going to, is revelation going to be sent to Muhammad? But the big leaders and the chiefs of Quraysh are not going to get? They're going to be left off, but Muhammad is going to get the wahi? Abu Mas'ud, Urwa ibn Mas'ud, Thaqafi, the leader of Thaqif, the tribe, and we, the, the big men, you know, the, the chiefs and the leaders, we're not getting wahi, but Muhammad must get wahi? This was, the, they, this was his re- reasoning. This was the reasoning of Walid. So Allah revealed ayat again and Allah said, وَقَالُوا لَوْلَا نُزِّلَ هَذَا الْقُرْآنُ عَلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِنَ الْقَرْيَتَيْنِ عَظِيمٍ They say, why is it not? 
why does the Quran not is the Quran not being revealed to a great man from the two cities? Why is it not revealed to one of the great men of the two cities, of the two villages, of the two tribes? So that was their problem. It was Hasad in reality. Why must he? How can he get the wahi but not us? We are the chiefs. So Allah revealed ayat saying, this is what they say. And then Allah said, أَهُمْ يَقْسِمُونَ رَحْمَةَ رَبِّكَ Are they the ones who distribute the mercy of their Lord, of their, of their Rabb? نَحْنُ قَسَمْنَا بَيْنَهُمْ مَعِيشَةً فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا We are the ones who disperse and we are the ones who give out and distribute uh, between them their livelihood in this world. حَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَرَفَعْنَا بَعْضٌ فَوْقَ بَعْضٌ And we raise some of them above others in darajat. لِيَتَّخِذَ بَعْضٌ بَعْضًا سُخْرِيَةً So that they can make use of one another in terms of services and so forth. وَرَحْمَةُ رَبِّكَ خَيْرٌ مِّمَّا يَجْمَعُونَ But the, the, the mercy of your Rabb is better than what they, what they have gathered. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refuted him as well. So these are the things that they would say to belittle the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Understand? They would belittle him by doing these type of things, rejecting... Uh, Resurrection. Why must you get wahi and not us? We're the chiefs. Allah speaks about them in the Quran. This is what they say. Whom are they to say this? Who's the one who gives them their livelihood? Who's the one who distributes the mercy of Allah? Is it them? It's Allah who does it. So Allah can decide. Allah honors who He wants to honor. He can raise who He wants to raise. And He can belittle whom He wants to be. It's not their, their decision. That's how Allah responded to them. Then we come back to Al-As ibn Wa'il. I said, remember this man's name? Al-As ibn Wa'il. Al-As ibn Wa'il, we look at his takabbur, his arrogance and his pride. Firstly, Al-As ibn Wa'il, he is the father of whom? He is the father of Amr ibn Al-As, the famous Sahabi. A famous Sahabi, his name is who? Amr ibn Al-As. Amr, the son of Al-As. Amr, the son of Al-As. He's a famous Sahabi. He narrates many ahadith. And his son narrates ahadith, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn Al-As. Right? So this man, Al-As ibn Wa'il, who's the father of the famous Sahabi, Amr, he was a famous man in Jahiliyyah. He had status, he had honor. However, he was not guided to Islam. He died as a kafir just before the hijrah took place. And he was of the, the main people who would mock the Prophet His grandson is also a famous Sahabi, as I said, Abdullah, the son of Amr, the son of As. His grandson is Abdullah. Allah be pleased with him and his father. He said, I heard my father saying, so this is now he's narrating from the son of Al-As ibn Wa'il, that my father lived for 85 years. So who are we talking about now? We're talking about Al-As ibn Wa'il, right? He lived for 85 years. And one day he got on his himar, he got on his donkey, and he, he went off to Ta'if. And whoever was with him, they left him behind, they carried on, and he was lagging behind. And it is stated that his donkey threw him off his back. Al-As, Al-As. Al, not even As, Al-As, his name is Al-As. When you say Ibn As, you're saying the son of As. Right? So, his donkey threw him off and he landed in some, some thorns and some things and it, it 
uh, injured his leg and his leg sw- uh, swelled up and he eventually died from this. A humiliating death. His donkey threw him aside, landed in some thorns, his uh, leg got hurt, his leg swelled up and he died. Right? This is whom? Al-As ibn Wa'il. Okay? What did he do? He was one of the most severe people in terms of his enmity to whom? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when the son of the messenger died, Abdullah, when Abdullah, the son of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, died, what did Al-As say? Al-As was the one who came and said, his lineage has been cut off. His lineage had been cut off. And he said, whenever somebody mentioned the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when they spoke about him, he would say, forget about him. Leave him. Why are you worried about him? He's only a man who is abtar. Abtar. He's a man who's cut off. He's got no lineage. Once he's dead, it's over, right? He's going to pass away soon. One day he'll pass away and then he's got no lineage to carry on his legacy. He's got no sons. He's cut off. He's abtar. Understand? So once he passes away, we will be relieved of him. So don't worry about him. This is what Al-As ibn Wa'il would say. First, Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he says in his tafsir of Surah, Inna a'tainaka al-Ghathar, Rasulullah Rabbi Kuhan, Inna shani'aka huwal abatar. Allah says, indeed, it's your enemies who are cut off, O Muhammad. It's your enemies who are the ones who are cut off. So responding to what Al-As and so forth used to say, Ibn Kathir says, Hasha wa kalla. On the contrary, no ways. To say the Prophet is cut off. On the contrary, impossible. Ibn Kathir says, Allah preserved his, 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 his memory or his remembrance for all of the world to see. Is there a person in this world who hasn't heard about Muhammad? Allah preserved his remembrance for all of the world to see. And he obligated his laws and his sharia upon all of the servants to follow. Mustamirran ala dawamil abad. And this will continue for all of time. Ila yawmil hashri wal ma'ad. Until the day of gathering and resurrection. Salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi. Da'iman ila yawmil tanad. May Allah's mercy and peace be upon him forever. Up until the day of assembly. Hazza ibn Kathir responded to these claims of Al-As. Also the, the famous poet Hassan ibn Thabit of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, he said, وَضَمَّ الْإِلَاهِ إِسْمَ النَّبِيِّ إِلَىٰ إِسْمِهِ The Lord had combined his name with the ism, the name of his Prophet. إِذَا قَالَ فِي الْخَمْسِ الْمُؤَذِّنُ أَشْهَدُ Whenever the Mu'adhin says five times a day, أَشْهَدُ Allah is combined. You have to say Ashadu Allah ilah and Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Wa shakkalahu min ismihi liyujilluhu. Allah gave a part of his name to him to honor him. Fadul arshi Mahmudun wa hadha Muhammadun. So the owner of the throne is Mahmud, the praised one, and this is Muhammad, the praiseworthy one. This is not an ayah, it's a poet, poetry from Hassan ibn Thabit. Right? So when Al-As ibn Wa'il used to say this, that don't worry about him, ignore him, he's cut off. Once he dies, he will be relieved of him. Allah then revealed which ayah? Indeed, we have given you Al-Kawthar. What is Al-Kawthar? 
the fountain, the pond that it will be given to him on Qiyamah, in the Akhirah. فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَانْحَرْ So, pray and sacrifice for your Rabb. إِنَّ شَانِئَكَ هُوَ الْأَبْتَرِ It's your enemies, they are the ones who are cut off. They are the ones who are, who are cut off. Subhanallah. Before we move on, we have to look at Al-As again. Let's look at Al-As ibn Wa'il. The one whom this ayat was revealed regarding, it was revealed concerning him. He had lineage. He had sons. What happened to his sons? His son is Amr and Hisham. His son is who? Amr and Hisham. Okay? Al-As ibn Wa'il, he said the Prophet is cut off. He had two sons, Amr and Hisham. What happened to them? They both accepted Islam. They both cut off from their father. They both disassociated from their father. And they joined whom? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So who was cut off? Allah punished Al-As in this way that he in reality was cut off. His sons deserted him, turned away from him and his religion and everything he stood for. And he was cut off. Who's going to follow his, carry on with his legacy? Who's going to remember him with goodness and khair and uphold his teachings? Who is the one that's actually ab- abtar? This is the words of Allah. Allah says, It's your enemies who are cut off. And this is what you said about my messenger. You are actually the one who will be cut off. So Al-As, his sons, Hisham and Amr, both accept Islam. And they cut off from him. And they become followers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa When a person becomes a Muslim, he cannot inherit from his kafir parents. Nor can he inherit from them. They are cut off. They become followers of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And his wives are their mothers. Hmm? Allah says, the wives of the Prophet is who? The mothers of the believers. So who is their mother? The Prophet's wife becomes their mother. Understand? They will drink from that hawd, al-kawthar, on the day of Qiyamah. Asu al-As ibn Wa'il, he is the true one that's really cut off. The one that's truly cut off. And he's cut off from his sins. He's cut off by his sins. And all of his followers and his family, they cut off from him. Because they have become followers of whom? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we find they did scoff and they mocked against him, but Allah Azza wa Jal protected him in ways that they could never ever overcome, and nor could they even imagine. The author then mentions a story which shows us how Al-As really was, how, how severe he was. The hadith comes in Bukhari and Muslim, with Khabbab ibn al-Arat, we spoke about Khabbab ibn al-Arat before, the one who was punished so badly, branded and cauterized, and his body was put on hot coals and so forth. He says that I used to be a blacksmith in the days of Jahiliyyah and Al-As ibn Wa'il had a debt that he owed to me. Al-As ibn Wa'il had a, a debt that he owed me. So I went to him to demand the debt. So he said, I'm not going to give you until you disbelieve in Muhammad. So he said, I will never disbelieve until you die and you are resurrected. And then Al-As said, leave me then until I die and I am resurrected. For what will happen is, I will be given wealth 
and children, and they will pay off your debt for you. So you can leave, I'm not going to pay you. But once I die and I'm supposed to be resurrected, as he doesn't believe in resurrection, I will be given children and wealth, and they will pay you your debt. So leave me alone. So Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed ayat again regarding these men, regarding Al-Asim and Wa'il, and Allah says, أَفَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي كَفَرَ بِآيَاتِنَا Do you see the one who disbelieves in our ayat? وَقَالَ And then he says, La walada. I will be given wealth and I will be given children. This is what he says. Then Allah says, Has he been given the unseen? Does he know the unseen? For him to make claims like this. Am rahmani ahda? Or has he taken a covenant with covenant with Ar-Rahman? Does he have a promise from Allah that he's going to be given children and sons? How can he make a claim and say, I will get money, I will get offspring? Allah is saying. You disbelieve in our signs, you make this claim. Do you have access to the unseen? Do you have a promise from Allah that you're going to get these things? Kalla, Allah says no. Sanaktubu ma yaqul. We will document and register and record what he has said. And we will extend for him for him uh, an extensive punishment. We will extend for him his punishment extensively. وَنَرِثُهُ مَا يَقُولُ وَيَأْتِينَا فَرْدًا And we will inherit him um, in, in what he has mentioned. And وَيَأْتِينَا فَرْدًا He will come to us فَرْدًا By himself, alone. He's coming to us by himself. This is for whom? Al-Asr bin Wa'il. Ayat revealed regarding him again how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put them, put them on their place. You know, really put and showed the, 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 the futility of these statements and what they used to say. A hadith in Abu Dawood from Amr ibn Shu'ib, from his father, from his grandfather, he said that Al-As ibn Wa'il, he left behind a will when he died. And he said that his children must emancipate on his behalf 100 slaves, free 100 slaves for him. So his son was whom? Hisham. Hisham took 50 slaves and freed it on his behalf. But then Amr came along and before Amr took the rest of the 50, he went to the Prophet and he said, Ya Rasulullah, my father left a will that we must emancipate 100 slaves on his behalf. And Hisham has already done 50. There's 50 left for me. Should I do it on his, should I emancipate and free the slaves on his behalf? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said, إِنَّهُ لَوْ كَانَ مُسْلِمًا هَذِي بِينَ مُسْلِمٍ فَأَعْتَقْتُمْ عَنْهِ And you had emancipated on his behalf. أَوْ تَصَدَّقْتُمْ عَنْهِ Or given charity on his behalf. أَوْ حَجَجْتُمْ عَنْهِ Or performed hajj on his behalf. بَلَغَهُ ذَلِكَ That would have reached him. But what's the condition? Had he been a Muslim, it would have reached him. Yeah, and if he's not a Muslim, you can emancipate whatever you want. It's not going, that benefit's not going to reach him. Your sadaqah that you give on his behalf will not reach him. Your hajj that you make on his behalf will not reach him. Because he's not a Muslim. If he is a Muslim, balagahu dhalik. What does it tell us? The kafir, nothing will benefit him in the akhirah. Nothing will benefit him in the akhirah. No rewards will reach him. Nothing that he did, nor that anybody that did on his behalf will reach him. So this was generated regarding who? Al-As ibn Wa'il. Then we mentioned An-Nadr ibn al-Harith 
wa Abdullah ibn Zibara. Abdullah ibn Zibara. We've spoken about another ibn Harith a few times. Another ibn Harith was the one who said, "All of this Quran is asatirul awalin, right? Fables of the ancient." And he would tell stories about the Persians and so forth. So another ibn Harith and Abdullah ibn Zibara. Firstly, Abdullah ibn Zibara is another one who eventually accepts Islam. He used to be of those who harmed the Prophet sallallahu He eventually accepts Islam um, later on in Fatu Makkah. When they conquer Makkah, he, he uh, accepts Islam. And he goes to the Prophet and asks him for forgiveness for the harms that he used to do. And the Prophet sallallahu excused him. So one day they came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Or rather, the Prophet was sitting in a gathering, and Al-Walid ibn Mughira was with him again. Walid ibn Mughira is always there discussing things and coming with his excuses. And as they are sitting, Al-Nadur comes to the, the, the Majlis. Al-Nadur ibn Al-Harith comes to the Majlis, and there's a number of the Quraysh sitting with him, and Al-Nadur opposes the Prophet. He speaks out against something that the Messenger was saying. So, what's happening here? Prophet in the Masjid with some of the leaders of the Quraysh, Al-Walid ibn al-Mughira was present amongst them. So Al-Nadur comes, he sits down, and he starts to debate. You can say he starts to dispute with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam spoke back with him until he silenced him. Khalas, he has no more arguments to make, he's, he's quiet. So what happened was, he's, he recited from the ayat where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّكُمْ مَمَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ حَصَبُ جَهَنَّمْ Antum laha waridun. Indeed, you and those whom you worship from besides Allah are going to be the firewood for Jahannam. You mushrikeen and your, your false gods are going to be the firewood for Jahannam. Antum laha waridun. You will be coming to enter it. You will come and you will have to enter it. Allah then said, Had they been false deities or had these false deities been actual gods? Had they been real gods, they would not have, have, have come to it. They would not be put into the fire if they were true gods, but they will be put in because they're not true gods. Allah then says, all will be therein eternally. For them, therein, they will be, have heavy sighing, sighing. And they will not hear anything therein. So he recited this ayat after he silenced Al-Nadur ibn al-Harith. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood up and he left. And then who came? Abdullah ibn al-Ziba'ra. Abdullah ibn al-Ziba'ra, he was an intelligent man and a very eloquent man. He comes and he joins the Quraysh. So Walid tells him, tells Abdullah, Al-Nadur, he doesn't normally stand up or sit down for anybody, nor does he keep quiet to anybody. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam silenced him. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that all of us and those whom we worship from besides Allah are going to be the firewood for Jahannam. We are going to be the firewood for Jahannam. So they, they were like, you could say like worried and scared. At the same time, so the arrogance they don't accept. But they also are stumped. So Abdullah ibn Zibara says, if I find him, I'm going to debate him. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And I'm going to ask Muhammad, if everything that's worshipped besides Allah, from besides Allah, is going to be Jahannam, and with those who worship them, right? That's what he said. 
Then what about the Malaika? Because we worship the Malaika. And we worship the Yahud, they worship Uzair. And the Christians, they worship Isa. Right? If you say that we, the Mushri, those who worship other than Allah, is going to be Jahannam, with the false gods, then that means Isa is also in Jahannam. And that means the Malaika is also in Jahannam. And that means Uzair is also in Jahannam. See how he thought. So Walid, what did Walid do? Walid was like, yeah, you know, this is a clever guy. And he was impressed by this statement. So, those who were with him in the majlis, they, uh, they felt, here's the, they have the right argument now. Now we can finally defeat the Prophet ﷺ in a debate and, you know, we have him. So, they went to the Prophet ﷺ, they mentioned what Aziba'ra said, and the Prophet ﷺ said, كل من أحب أن يعبد من دون الله فهو من مع من من عبده. Whomsoever loves to be worshipped from besides Allah, then he will be with the one who worships Him. إنهم إنما يعبدون الشياطين. They only worship the shayateen. ومن أمرتهم بعبادته. And that's the only one that that instructs him to worship Him. And then Allah سبحانه وتعالى revealed the ayat. إن الذين سبقت لهم من الحسن Indeed, uh, those from, from us, or those for whom the best of reward has been destined for, they are far removed from the fire. They are kept far away from the fire. They do not even hear the hissing sound of the fire. Allah says they will not even hear the, that hissing sound that the fire makes. وَهُمْ فِيهَا مَشْتَهَتْ أَنفُسُهُمْ خَالِدُونَ Whilst they are in that which their soul desire, abiding eternally in delight. So what does this, this ayah tell us and this hadith tell us? It tells us that the likes of Isa and Uzair السلام, and any righteous person that was worshipped, it was taken as a god. But they were righteous people, they obeyed Allah Azza wa Jal. But the people of misguidance took them and worshipped them. They are going to be far away from the fire. It's not as Zibara is trying to claim. Because the words of the Prophet said, anyone who loves to be worshipped will be with the one who worshipped him. And that's the definition of a ta'ahut. A ta'ahut, a false god, is someone who wants to be worshipped. And he tells people to worship him. Did Isa want to be worshipped? Did Uzair want to be worshipped? Did the Manaika want to be worshipped? So the argument of Zibara is flawed. It's not as, as intelligent as they thought. And this was the response from the Prophet and, and Allah Azza wa Jal. It's not like that. It's the one who wants to be worshipped. The one who's pleased to be worshipped, he will be with those who are worshipping him in the fire. They were going to be the firewood of the fire. So Allah Azza wa Jal clarified it by revealing this ayat and the Prophet clarified it as well. Also regarding Isa alayhi salam on these claims, Allah revealed ayat where he said, وَلَمَّا ضُرِبَ بَنُ مَرْيَمَ مَثَلًا إِذَا قَوْمُكَ مِنْهُ يَصِدُّونَ Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, when the son of Maryam was presented as an example, we gave him as an example, your people laughed aloud. They took it as a joke. When the example of, 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 of Maryam was given, oh, sorry, of, of, of whom? Of Isa bin Maryam was given. Who laughed? Walid. Walid was laughing. Yeah, we got him now, right? This is the argument. They were laughing because they thought when they used this example of Isa, 
being worshipped, so he must also be in the fire. This was their thinking. They started to laugh. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالُوا أَآلِهَتُنَا خَيْرٌ أَمْهُ is our, They say, is our diet is better than him? They try to now show the, their reasoning. مَا ضَرَبُهُ لَكَ إِلَّا جَدَلًا Allah says, they don't bring this type of examples except as an argument. بَلْ هُمْ قَوْمٌ خَصِمُونَ They are people who are prone to dispute and arguments. Then Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed the ayat and he said, إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا عَبْدٌ أَنْعَمْنَا عَلَيْهِ وَجَعَلْنَاهُ مَثَلًا لِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلٍ Isa, he is only an abd. He is a slave. Whom we blessed. We bestowed our blessings upon him. And we made him an example for the Bani Israel. Allah then says, if we willed and we wanted to, we would have made amongst you malaika in this earth succeeding one another. But he, Isa, is a, is an, is a, will be a sign for knowledge of the hour. So don't be confused or, or uh, in doubt about it. What? وَاتَّبِعُونِ So follow me. هَذَا صِرَاطُ مُسْتَقِيمِ هَذَا صِرَاطُ مُسْتَقِيمِ In another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, clarifying this point even further, he said, يَا مَعْشَرَ قُرَيْشِ أَوْ قُرَيْشِ إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ أَحَدٌ يُعْبَدُ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ فِيهِ خَيْرٍ No person that's worshipped besides Allah has any goodness in it. There's no goodness in that. Right? Um... And then, of course, they came with the arguments and so forth. These ayat that we mentioned was mentioned as an as an as a as a as a response to them. Another hadith in a Tirmidhi and Muslim Imam Ahmad, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "ما ضل قوم بعد هدى كانوا عليه إلا أوتوا الجدل وجدل." No people who was given guidance, right? And after they were given guidance. What came to them was argumentation, disputes. And this is basically what led them astray. The one after guidance came, came to them, what has led them astray? The argumentation. And then Allah he, he recited this ayah, They only brought this as an, as an argument. They are people who are prone to disputes. This was the way of, of these Qurayshis. And this is similar to any people. Guidance comes to them, what can lead them astray after that? They're argumentation. They're refusing, they're debating, they're debating instead of submitting to the haqq and accepting the truth. Then we come to Fir'aun al-Ummah. Who is the Fir'aun of this Ummah? Abu Jahl. Amr ibn Isham, Abu Jahl. May Allah's curse be upon him. Again, he was on the most severe of people upon the Prophet and the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And he would mock the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the haqq that he came with and he would constantly verbally abuse him. A hadith in the musnad of Imam Ahmad where Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he says at Abu Jahal la'anahullah he came one day and he said O Quraysh, Muhammad has caused us to fear bishajarat al-zaqqum he's warned us and he's supposed to instill fear within us by speaking about the what? Shajaratul Zakum. The Zakum tree, which is part of the fire, right? And he claims that the sh- this, this tree which is in the fire, this tree which is in the fire of Jahannam, which is called Shajaratul Zakum, this is his claim that this tree exists in the fire. 
He's trying to make us fearful that we're going to eat from this tree. Right? But he says, but the fire eats the tree. What if it is a fire and there's a tree? What happens to the tree? The fire will, will, will devour the tree. So Abu Jahl says, what kind of reasoning is this? Right? Zakum means to devour. So Shajaratu Zakum is the tree that devours. So he says, you know what Zakum is? To have dates and some, and some cream. That's Zakum. So bring the dates, bring the tree, and let's have Zakum. Let's eat. Let's, you know, sit down and have a feast. That was the statement of Abu Jahl. So Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed ayat, Inna shajarata zakum. Indeed, that tree of zakum, which is a devouring tree, ta'amul athim. It will be the food of the sinful. Kalmuhli, like murky oil. Yaghli fil butun. It boils within the bellies. It boils within the bellies. Kaghali al-hamim. Like the boiling of scalding water. Like this, it will boil within their bellies. Within them. This will be from what? The food that they have to eat from the, this tree. So Allah, Allah has revealed this ayat. In a hadith, the Prophet also said, if one drop, if one drop from zakum had to be dropped upon the livelihood of the people of this earth, it would have been corrupted. One drop had to drop from zakum upon all of our livelihood on this dunya, all that food would have been destroyed. It would have been destroyed. فَكَيْفَ مَنْ لَيْسَ لَهُمْ طَعَامٌ إِلَّا الزَّقُومٌ So how is it going to be for those who only have the food of zakum? How are they going to survive and eat? Imagine this is the state of those in Jahannam. This is what they are going to consume, only this food. Had a drop of this food fallen onto this dunya, all of the livelihood in this dunya would have been destroyed. Abu Jahl also met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one day and he said, Wallahi, O Muhammad, if only you left off swearing our gods, our deities, we would leave off your god and your deity that you worship. So Allah revealed which ayah? وَلَا تَسُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ and do not curse or swear that which is worshipped from besides Allah, lest they curse Allah or swear Allah out of retaliation without knowledge. So Allah has forbidden us to what? To curse false deities and to curse them and to speak, especially in the open. Because what's going to happen? In return, they're going to curse Allah. So Allah says, rather don't do that, right? So the Prophet وسلم, he stopped basically abusing their gods and he only then called them to Allah. Firstly, what we say by abusing, the Prophet was not an abusing man, nor a person who swore and cursed. What they meant here was is, stop speaking ill of our God. What he used to say was is, they don't benefit, they don't harm, can they hear, can, like Ibrahim السلام, would reason, you know, and so forth. They are ibadun amthalukum. These things that you worship, they are slaves just like you. That you are worshipping. Like this, he would reason with them, but they didn't like this. So in return, just to make it clear, the Prophet was not a man who would curse or swear and abuse. It was not his nature or his character, but this is what they were referring to. Don't speak bad about God. Then we won't speak bad about your God. Um, 
And there's a principle that comes from this, which is Tarkul Maslaha li Mafsadatin Arjaha Minha. Sometimes we have a Maslaha and a Mafsada, a good thing and a bad thing. But sometimes we have to ignore the good thing because that bad thing is it outweighs the good. You understand? So the good thing here is we refute the Tughat or the, the false deities. But the bad thing is they're going to curse Allah in return. So what we do is we weigh up the pros and cons. We say, okay, khair. So we won't speak bad about them depending on the situation to avoid them speaking bad about Allah. You understand? So there's a principle. That principle can go a long way. In fact, in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ approves this and he says that from the biggest of sins, from the greatest of sins is when a man curses his father. When a man curses his own father. So they said, Ya Rasulullah, how does a man curse his father? How can a man, how does a man curse his own father? So he said, he curses the father of another man. And that man in return, what does he do? He curses his father. Or he curses another man's mother. And that man in turn, curses his mother. So when you swear somebody's mother, what are they going to do? Swear your mother. So if you don't want your mother to be sworn, don't swear them in the first place. This is what the Prophet said in the hadith. And it basically teaches us the same principle. طيب, then we have the story of the Irashi, the Irashi man. There was a man who came from a town place called Irash. Right? He came from Irash with a camel to Mecca and it was purchased by Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl purchased this camel from him and the, the payment was supposed to be a deferred payment. So he took the camel with a promise to pay later on. And the man agreed to this until he stayed for some time. And then he went to, you know, the leaders of the Quraysh and said, um, and the Prophet, uh, the leaders of the Quraysh and said to them, look, oh Quraysh, can you show me somebody who will help me get my money from Abu Jahl? Abu al-Hakam was his kunya. Abu al-Hakam ibn Hisham. So Abu al-Hakam owes him money for the camel. So he goes to this, the sitting of the Quraysh one and he says, can you help me find somebody who will get the money from Abu Jahl for me? That, that he owes me. Because I'm a stranger from this town. I'm not from Mecca. I'm not from this. I'm a traveler. Ibn Sabil. And he owes me this money. So this people of the Quraysh, they said, do you see that man sitting over there pointing to who? The Prophet And why did they do this? To mock the Prophet To mock this man. Because they knew Abu Jahl will never give in to the, the Prophet He said, go to that man there. Go to him. He, he will help you. Take him with you to Abu Jahl. So they did this out of spite. They did this again. This is how they mocked him and scoffed him and so forth. Take him. But they knew the enmity, right? So this man, he goes to him and he says, Look, I was told to come to you. Can you take me uh, to this person, Abu Jahl? His name is Abu Hakam ibn Hisham. He owes me this money. I'm a traveler and so forth. I've asked the people. The people said, I must ask you. Prophet says, Come, let's go. So they go. When they're on their way, the Quraysh that was sitting there, they tell two or three other guys, go, go check what's going to happen. Follow up. Go check what's going to happen. Meaning, whatever happens, you come tell us. You know, they're going to beat him up or whatever, you come tell us. So Rasulullah he goes with this man from Irash. He comes to the door of Abu Jahl and he knocks on the door. Abu Jahl says, man, who's there? He says, Muhammad. Come, come out. So he comes out. 
you know, in a state of obviously aggression and so forth, you my small enemy and you coming to call me out. And Wamafi Wajihi Qatra to Damin. There was not a, a drop of blood in his face. What does this mean? That mean he was pale. He went pale. The blood was drained from his face. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, give this man his haq. So Abu Jahl said, naam. Just hang on. He went inside, came out of the money and paid it. And then the Prophet left. So this Irashi man said, he thanked the Prophet Jazawullah khayran. Allah has given me your haq and through you and so forth. And he left. So the people that the Quraysh sent went back. And when they came back, the Quraysh said, what happened? What did Abu Jahl do to them? So they said, Ajaban min al-ajab. The most amazing, strangest thing just happened. Wallahi, he only knocked on his door. He came out and he said, give him his things and he gave it. So the Quraysh were stunned. And as they're saying this, Abu Jahl comes. And they immediately attack him and say, what happened? How could you, you just gave in to the Prophet and to Muhammad and so forth. And Abu Jahl says, وَيْحَكُمْ وَوَا أَنْتُ all of you. <coughs> Wallahi, he came and he knocked on my door and I heard his voice. And immediately I was filled with fear. My whole body was overtaken with fear. So I went out and above his head there was an, a camel, a male huge camel, the likes I've never seen before. His head was, as, was extremely huge and his neck like I've never seen before. And he had tusks like I've never seen before. So he said, Wallahi, if I didn't give in, I would have been eaten. I would have been eaten. This is how, obviously a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but this is what happened with Abu Jahl. In another story, Abu Jahl, Allah, when the ayah of Allah, alayha tis'ata ashar, was revealed, where Allah said that the Jahannam is overseen by 19 keepers, right? Abu Jahl said, Oh Quraysh, Muhammad claims that um, the army of Allah that's going to punish us in Jahannam, they're only 19 in number. Because the Quran says, عليها تسعة عشر, 19 keepers. And you are how much in number? How much? So imagine, they're only 19 and how much of us will come? For each one of them, they will have to look after, punish a hundred of us. So they used to use their own reason and try to mock the Quran in whichever way. Then Allah revealed, وَمَا جَعَلْنَا أَصْحَابَ النَّارِ إِلَّا مَلَائِكَةً وَمَا جَعَلْنَا عِدَّتَهُمْ إِلَّا فِتْنَةً لِلَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا And we have appointed only strong angels as wardens of the fire. And we have made the number only as a test. When Allah says test, it's just a test for the disbelievers. لِيَسْتَيْقِنَ لِنَا أُوتُوا الْكِتَابِ And the number is only a test. And the people of the book, they will become certain. The people of Iman will be increased in Iman. Nor will the people of the book and the mu'minun, nor will they doubt. And they will say to the people who have a sickness in their hearts, the munafiqun and the disbelievers, Sorry, they will say, the, the munafiqun and the kuffar will say, 
What does Allah intend from this example? What does Allah intend from this 19? What does He intend? As if they're mocking it and scoffing it. But the mu'minun, they understand. They are increased in iman. That's how Allah misguides some people whomsoever He wills. And He guides whomsoever He wills. And none knows the armies of your Lord except Him. And this is only a reminder for the Bashar, for humankind. In a hadith, the Prophet said, when he went up to the Isra and the Mi'raj, and he described Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur, which is in the seventh heaven, that on every single day, 70,000 malaika enter into this place, and they do not return or come out of this. So this number was used as an example, as a test for the kuffar. And they fell for this, um, and they basically uh, would scoff and use this as against the Quran and so forth. Tayyib, the author then mentions how Abu Jahl he knew that the, the, the trustworthiness of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and he gives some examples of this, where he said. That we know, O Muhammad, that you are someone who upholds family ties and you are truthful in your speech and we do not belie you. But we only belie what you came with. We only disagree with what you came with. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed again, قَدْ نَعْلَمُ إِنَّهُ لَيَحْزُنُكَ الَّذِي يَقُولُونَ We know that what they say saddens you. فَإِنَّمْ لَا يُكَذِّبُونَكَ For they do not belie you. They don't disbelieve in you. وَلَكِنَّ الظَّالِمِينَ بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ يَجَحَدُونَ But the ظالمي they are disbelievers in the ayat of Allah. So we know what they say saddens you, but it's not you that they are denying. Allah actually consoles the Prophet to say, it's not you, it's not your fault. They believe you. But it's the ayat of Allah that they refuse to accept. That they refuse to accept. In another way, Allah uh, consoled him. Allah said, That the Prophets and the Messengers before you, they were also ridiculed. But those who mocked them were overtaken by, the, by what they used to ridicule. They were overtaken by the same thing and they were punished and so forth. So like this, Allah also consoled him. He consoled his Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa you know, when they came with all of these things. Um, then we have Rukana ibn Abdi Yazid. Rukana ibn Abdul Yazid was a wrestler and he physically would come and battle the Prophet and wrestle with him. He was also a disbeliever and in the, the hadith mentions that he wrestled the Prophet three times. All three times the, the victor would receive 100 uh, ghanam, which is some type of cattle. So that was the prize. On the third time, he said to him, Oh Muhammad, nobody has ever placed me on my back on the, on, on the ground before. So the Prophet overcame him. He was a champion wrestler and he said, Nobody has ever pinned me on my back on the ground like this before. And before I used to hate you. And today I say, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah wa annaka rasulullah. So he, he became a Muslim based on this. The fact that he saw the strength of the Prophet. And the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ, he accepted Islam, and the Prophet actually gave his, his ghanam um, 
back to him. Right? Um, I'm just going to run through this quickly so we can finish with this chapter. The Quraysh also, they sent to the Yahud. They would send messengers to the Yahud and say, give us something to test the Prophet with. Give us things that we can test him with. You know, how can we? Because they was, everything they tried, he would counter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed revelation and so forth. So what did they do? The Quraysh sent and said, ask him about the ruh. Ask him about the, the ruh. So he, they said, tell us about the ruh. So Allah revealed. And they ask you about the ruh. Say to them, the ruh is from the affairs of my road. And we have not been given of knowledge except very little. So this wasn't enough for them. They said, you haven't been given only a little. We were given the Torah. We were given the Torah. Whoever was given the Torah was given lots of khair. So we're better. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ فِي الْبَحْرِ مِدَادًا لِكَلِمَاتِ رَبِّي Say to them, had the ocean been an ink pot, and a pot of ink, for the words of my Rabb, لَنَفِدَ الْبَحْرُ قَبْلَ أَن تَنْفَدَ كَلِمَاتُ رَبِّي It would certainly have run dry before the words of my Lord were finished. وَلَوْ جِئْنَا بِمِثْلِهِ مَدَدًا Even if we refilled it with its equal. As if to say, the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is endless. If Allah wants, He can continue. But He gives what He wants and He keeps back um, what He wants. Tayyib. Then the author mentions the stubbornness of the kuffar and their position towards the Quran. That they knew the haqq. They knew these ayat were divine. They were Arabs. They understood the language the best. But yet they were stubborn. They knew that he, what he came with was the truth. They knew that he did not lie. But it was their stubbornness that prevented them from accepting. And their arrogance. And what did they used to say? لا تسمعوا لهذا القرآن They eventually told each other. Because it affected every single one of them. The Quran affected them. And we spoke about the story of Walid. That's the famous story of Walid. So what did they say eventually? Don't listen to this Quran. They warned them each other. They said, don't listen to this Quran. And drown it out so that, you may be, so that you may prevail. Meaning, if you're going to listen to this Quran, you're going to be overcome. It's going to overcome you. You're not going to win. So stop listening. And if you hear it, if it means you put your fingers, it means you make a noise, drown out the sound of the, of the Quran. So whenever the Prophet would recite the Quran out loud, Sometimes they would listen. But they would only listen by eavesdropping. Because they were fearful that if others must see them listening, they would be blameworthy. So they would eavesdrop. And the moment they see people watching them, they would get up and walk away. But they were attracted to the Quran. The Quran drew them in. But it was their stubbornness and their arrogance that, you know, they just refused to give in. Um, and at times the Prophet used to recite quietly. So others, the attention was drawn to him and those close by would hear. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also revealed the ayah, وَلَا تَجْهَرُ بِصَلَاتِكَ وَلَا تُخَافِتْ بِهَا وَابْتَغِ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ سَبِيلًا Don't raise your voice by your recitation. Nor should you be quiet about it, but somewhere in between. Somewhere in between. Yani depending on the situation. So if, this, if they're in the open, don't raise your voice too much. Those around you can hear. And if the... Don't also... Lower your voice too much. Because those around you will not hear. Somewhere in between. 
somewhere in between. So the Prophet would, he knew they were listening at times, and he would adjust, you know, so that they could hear. We're going to end off now the story of how the Quraysh, leaders of the Quraysh, came to listen to the Quran. Three of them, Abu Sufyan ibn Harb, Abu Sufyan ibn Harb spoke about him. Abu Jahal ibn Hisham and Al-Akhnas ibn Shuraik spoke about him as well tonight. Al-Akhnas and Abu Sufyan eventually become Muslim, but Abu Jahal does not. What happens? The three of them, they leave their home one night to go sit by the house of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They go sit by him and he is standing in the night prayer reciting Quran. So the one sits on the other end, one on the other end, the one in another portion where they don't see each other. They didn't know this. So each one snuck out by himself to listen to the Quran. Abu Jahl himself, Al-Akhnas and Abu Sufyan. At the end of the night, as they get up to leave, they bump into each other. And they're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? But what are you doing here? And they start to blame each other. No, but why did you come out? And this and that's happening. Until... They'd make a pact and say, look, we're never coming back. We're not coming back. On the second night, the same thing happens. And as they leave, they bump into each other. And they say, we're not going to come back. On the third night, the same thing happens. They come back every time just to listen to the Quran. In the darkness of the night, when nobody can see them. After this happens, they again make a real promise this time. We are not coming back. Right? And they disperse. The next morning, Al-Akhnas, he takes his stick and he goes to the house of Abu Sufyan ibn Harb. And he tells Abu Sufyan ibn Harb, Oh Abu Hanzala, what's your opinion of what you used, of what you were hearing from Muhammad? So he says, Oh Abu Tha'laba, Wallahi, I heard things that I understand and things that I know the meanings of. And I also heard things that I don't quite understand and that I don't quite know the meaning of. So Al-Akhlas said, he swore, he took an oath and he said the same. There were things that he understood and didn't understand and so forth, but they were affected. So the two of them agree that there were things that was powerful about this Quran. So where do they go next? They go to Abu Jahl. They come to Abu Jahl and they say, what's your take on what you heard from Muhammad this last three nights? Abu Jahl said, what I heard? What I heard? What did I hear? And he says, we competed with one another. Us and Banu Abdi Manaf. Now, Banu Abdi Manaf is from whose tribe? The Prophet's tribe. Since we competed with one, each, with, 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 with one another in terms of status and nobility. They used to feed people, we fed people. They used to help people out, we helped people out. They used to give sadaqah, we gave sadaqah. Until we became like equals in terms of our status. Like equal resources, he said. So then, Abdi Manaf said what? From amongst us there's a prophet who receives wahi from the heavens. So Abu Jahl said, how can we possibly compete with this? How can we compete with this now? They're claiming now what? We have a prophet that has come who receives wahi from the heavens. So Abu Jahl says, how can we compete with this? Wallahi, I will never believe in him. I will never believe in him. So, so Al-Akhras and, others, and Abu Sufyan got up and left him. But they also realized his response is based on what? 
on Hasad. His response is more jealousy that this tribe is now officially better than us. Because they have a prophet and how do we compete with this? Right? The Prophet ﷺ gets him one day and says to him, Ya Abu al-Hakam, Halumma ila Allah Azza wa Jal. Come to Allah Azza wa Jal. Wa ila Rasulihi. And to his messenger, I'm inviting you to Allah. So Abu Jahl says to him, O oh Muhammad, when will you stop swearing our gods? I will only do this, or if, you, if you do that, I will, I will um, bear testimony that you have balagd, you've, 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 uh, you've given the da'wah. So he said, فَنَحْنُ نَشْهَدْ We bear witness that you have given the da'wah. You have conveyed the message. And by Allah, if I did not believe you, he says, if I did not believe you, I would have never been following you around. I would have never been following you around and abusing you. What's he saying? We know that what you say is the haq. Hence we've been, we had to go after you and, and, and belittle you and so forth. So Abu Jahl, he says, Wallahi inni la a'lam anna ma yaqulu haq. This is what he says to Wali ibn Mughira ibn Shu'ba. He says, by Allah, what I know what he says is the haq. But Bani Qusay, again referring to the sub-tribe of the Prophet they stated, we have the hijabah, the covering of the Kaaba, And we have, and we agree to this, na'am, and we have an nadwa which is the house of council for the Quraysh. We said, yes, we agree to that. And they claim that we have the flag, the banner of war. We agree to this. And they said, we are the people who feed the pilgrims when they come, give them water and so forth. Abu, Abu Jahl said, we agree to this. Then they fed people and we fed people until we became equal. Until we became equal. And then they said, Minna Nabiyun, we have a prophet. From us is a prophet. And then Abu Jahl said, Wallahi la af'al. Wallahi la This I will not do. Meaning, I'm not going to concede to this. I'm not going to concede to this. So this was the arrogance and the stubbornness of Abu Jahl, which kept him away from accepting Islam. Otherwise, he believed in everything. He heard the Qur'an. He was uh, affected by the Qur'an, alhamdulillah. And it was his arrogance and his stubbornness that prevented him from accepting Islam, as is the case with many of the others of the Quraysh. Wallahu musta'an. Wallahu a'lam. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Shadu wa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.